welcome to C3 Wellington and Hutt City. Need something fresh, real and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get podcast notifications, updates on events, collective groups and a whole lot more. We're so glad you're joining us for a powerful and thought-provoking message from one of our pastors. We would love to hear how God has touched you in your life. Get in touch through our website, c3churchwellington.nz. So, sit back and enjoy this message. So week five of In Him, and who can tell me what some of the ones we've covered off already? Redemption, that was the last one. Identity, that was the one before. We've done boldness and security. And uh, a little plug for the podcast, if you missed any of those, they're on the line. Go on and check them out, and uh, I hope they are a blessing to you. Because here's this, what this message series is all about, and that is this, that in Christ, in Jesus, we have so many promises. So many things were purchased for us, given to us, are accessible for each one of us through what Jesus has done for us. And what we want to do is inspire one another encourage one another, just take these promises and start to live in them, start to re-engage in them because I tell you, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. He wants you to have boldness. He wants you to have courage as you walk through this life. Do I get an amen? God didn't give you a spirit of insecurity. He gave you security to know that you are His, that He will never, I love in in John 10, uh, Jesus says that those that that God places in my hand cannot be snatched from me. So we have security in Christ and what He's done for us. That, that it's not predicated on my goodness. It's not predicated on my ability to white knuckle my way through life and, and, and just do everything perfectly. But it's, it's, it's predicated on the goodness of Jesus, on the perfection of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood paid the way for me. And so I can have security in Him. And as we talked about identity and redemption, I love the fact that, that God is a God that redeems. God is a God that restores. And I just want to say to anyone here that's walking through some relationship challenges. Hang in there. God is a God who redeems. God is a God who restores. He's all about relationship. And I just want to encourage you, whoever that is for, I just get a, just a sense that someone needs to be encouraged today that God is in the business of bo- taking what was broken and putting it back together. And our key verse was this, is this. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, it says, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. In Christ. And so week five, we are going to tackle unity in Christ. Unity in Christ. And our key verse is this, and then we'll pray. In him, Ephesians 2.22, I should tell you, eh? Ephesians 2.22, 2 verse 22, says this. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You also are being built together into something, into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God that brings together. We thank you that you are the God that brings oneness and togetherness. I thank you that as we look to you, we see that, that the quality and the rhythm of, this, of your creation, is of, of even you, you yourself, God in three persons, There is a oneness and a unity. And I thank you that as we take the journey and walk the journey towards greater oneness as a church, that we're being built together by your Spirit, that this church would become and continue to grow and be the dwelling place for God, that people would come into this place 
and me that feel real in very presence of the Almighty God. So to this end, I pray that you'd speak to us, that you'd teach us, and Father God, that you'd transform us into your people by your Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. In Him, we are being built together. Unity. I know I do this. I love doing this. I said it last week. I love looking at words in the dictionary that we kind of already know what they mean. And, uh, and because it just adds so much depth and, and, and color and, and life to it. So this is unity. Unity is this, the state of being joined as a whole. The state of being joined as a whole. To become one. That's what it means. Unity means to become one, to join together. And the Holy Spirit dwells in our togetherness, in our oneness as a church. So isn't this interesting that it's not just in great worship? Come on, can we encourage our worship team? Wasn't that awesome? Wow, why don't we encourage our worship team? But you know something, the, the presence of God isn't just dwelling in great worship or great preaching. The Spirit of God dwells in our ability to be together. The Spirit of God dwells in our oneness, in our unity, in our coming together. Jesus himself in his hometown walked in and could do nothing because there was this dishonor, this inability to see who he was. And they, stand, they stood back and they criticized and it shut down the Son of God from working miracles. I can never, I'll never, no one's ever going to preach as good as Jesus. He's Jesus. Yet there was a receiving or a lack of receiving, a disunity in it, in the thinking that shut it down. Isn't that crazy? That you can have the best worship team in the world, the best preacher in the world, but the attitude that's in our hearts will determine whether the Holy Spirit will dwell here or not. Wow. It is the environment that pulls heaven to earth, that stirs the heart of God, that causes the presence of the Holy Spirit to manifest. And when I grew up, I've been in, I was a product of 80s churches, grew up in the Assembly of God church and Pentecostal churches. But there are some words that were old school Christian words to me. And one of them was the word manifest. And I didn't like the word. I grew up with a bit of a resistance to the word. But you know what manifest means? To make obvious. To make obvious. I said in our very first church service in C3 Hunt City that God wants to make Himself for real, for real in your life and mine. And the Holy Spirit will make Himself obvious in a place of unity. In a place of unity. Come on. Unity creates an atmosphere where the presence of God becomes obvious. And we, we find this knitted into the character of God. As we just prayed, God is three persons in one, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are the archetype of unity. The first example, they, were, they dwell in perfect unity. They dwell in perfect togetherness. They dwell in perfect oneness. Unity is the outcome of true relationship. God wired us to reflect His image and reflect His character. In our unity, we're reflecting the very nature and character of God. In our, in our unity, Jesus said, they will know me 
They will see me. They'll understand me. They'll get it when they see the way that you treat one another. He says, love one another. And where love abounds, unity abounds. And then we look at marriage. The pinnacle of human relationship. Marriage. And isn't this interesting that marriage was God's plan pre-fall. Marriage was instituted in Genesis 2. Mankind sinned and fell in Genesis 3. But before sin entered the world, God had a rhythm of marriage. Isn't this interesting? Let's, let's, let's have a look at this. It says this in Genesis 2 verse 20 to 25. I thought about just cutting out the one verse, but I love the whole story because it talks about ribs. Let's go. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, God took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And that rib, come on, the Lord made, he took it from the man and he made woman out of ribs. Thank you, Jesus. And closed up his place. And then, he, and then he brought the woman to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man should leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and unashamed. This is the rhythm of relationship. It's the, it's the character and nature of God and three persons to live in perfect unity. And it was God's intention that we would then come into a relationship and live together in oneness and unity. Unity means oneness. This is the plan of God for humanity. Yeah, Marriage was God's design for us to experience oneness. So we'd experience it. Marriage was God's design for us to understand His character. How do we understand God? Oh gosh, all of a sudden I get it. Any, any fathers in the house? Now all of a sudden, now we understand the heart of a father, God our Father, when you've got this little human being that you're responsible for. So wow, oh my gosh, I get it. Because we get to live it out. We get to be the shadow of the reality. The reality is that God, God is Father. The reality is God is, 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 is perfect unity. And He puts into the rhythm of His creation our ability for us to be able to get it. And we get it in marriage. We get to understand His character. Marriage was God's design for us to reflect His character. To be image bearers and reflections of God. And so is the church. The church is the body of Christ. I'm so glad that my body is united together right now. <laughs> I'm so glad that my head's stuck to my neck. You know, that all my, all my digits are still attached. Oh, I, won't, I don't want to know the pain or the agony to have a digit removed. And we are the body of Christ, joined together, all very different. All very different bits and bobs, but all necessary and needed. But we're also referred to as the bride of Christ. And Jesus is referred to as the bridegroom. And so the church has been portrayed in the language of marriage. Isn't that interesting? Let's have a look at that. Ephesians 5, 24 to 32, another chunk of Scripture says this. Ephesians 5, 24 to 32, the words should be up here for you. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, 
as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same ways, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, sounds familiar, and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, quoting Genesis 2. The mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Oh my gosh, Paul, make up your mind. Are you talking about husband and wife? Or are you talking about the church? You're flip-flopping, bro. And this is the point. This is the point that marriage is an example of, of God and, 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 and the church becomes an example of God. But the same example of oneness, of unity, the way that we dwell together, the way that we live together reflects God. It reflects God, but it also, because it reflects God, when we reflect God, we pull heaven to earth and God shows up in it. So powerful. Come on, unity is more important than some of us may realize. Man, some of these in him messages, you could plot them on a continuum. In other words, on one hand, you've got security. And on the other end, you've got insecurity. And it's like, where are we, where are we traveling on this continuum, where would we place ourselves? Are we moving towards security? Or are things in life causing us to shell up and move towards insecurity? Same with boldness. You've got boldness at one end, you've got timidity and fear at the other. Now we've got unity at one end, and we've got division at the other. It's interesting, the word division, if we take that prefix D or die, it means two. So what causes division is two visions, multiple visions. I don't think I agree with that. I think I've got a better idea. You know, I'm going to push my agenda. I'm going to push what I think, what I feel. That creates division, two visions. This is the infiltration point of the enemy into, his, into God's family. It's amazing. I love this, I love this statement. As assumption is the lowest form of knowledge. To assume something is based on the lowest form of knowledge. You, 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 you're filling in the blank. You're making up your own mind based on whatever you think you've got. And God saying, don't do that. Don't allow assumptions to form opinions of people you don't really know. Instead, we move towards unity. We move towards one. We take a step. The very first thing we ought to do is pray. Prayer is a language of love. Prayer shuts down division. Prayer pulls us together. Prayer creates unity. And I, I don't know if this is relevant. I think it is relevant. Let's go. Let's have a look at it. Because there's another vision with a prefix which I really liked. And it was provision. Provision. And you know what the suffix pro means? To add to, in favour of, to support and advance. Come on. We are to add to the vision, be in favour of the vision, to support and advance the vision. And unity creates provision. 
Unity creates provision. When you're behind something, you back it with your energy, with your heart, with your, I love this, I heard this says summit. You know, the love language of pastors is just to turn up. That's the love language of every pastor. Turn up. And I'm telling you, there's something about like, I'm going to put myself, I'm going to add myself into the equation, into the mix. I'm going to provide. I'm going to be the provision. I'm not going to be dividing. I'm going to be providing. We all get to make the choice. And in a providing atmosphere, unity happens. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 133. I love this psalm and it's, it's a short one and it's all about unity. And I'm going to pull this psalm and a story from the New Testament with Jesus and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to land the plane on this. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. How good and pleasant it is when we dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down to the collars of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing and life forevermore. In unity. It's pleasant. It's good. In unity, it's like the oil. It doesn't just stop here, but it flows all the way down and touches every part of the body. Every part is touched by the oil of unity and it commands the blessing of the Lord. Segway pause. I've been involved in a lot of organisations, a lot of, of, of yeah, different uh, organisations and things, and there is no organisation that has the war against unity as the church. You can be involved in a tramping club, in a chess club, in a basketball team, in a football team, in a whatever club, and it'll be sweet. You get involved in a church and sparks fly. Isn't that incredible? We've got to say there's obviously a tactic, a ploy of the enemy. He hates what God represents. God represents unity. And he divided, the, he divided heaven. A third of the angels went with Lucifer because he was two visions all of a sudden in heaven. And now he stands in opposition to the character and nature of God. And so we represent that. He wants to divide it. Now wonder, look, in every thought that you think, that you, didn't, you didn't necessarily create it. Did you know that? That's why the Bible says take captive every thought because they're not all yours. The enemy wants to infiltrate your mind, speak lies, make them seem like they're truths. And he's very good. He's very good at playing on any little bit of unforgiveness, any little bit of bitterness, any little bit of resentment, any little bit of offense and causing division and pulling you out of relationship into isolation. And you think it's that church or that leader or that person. <laughs> iron sharpens iron, my friend. Conflict is not a bad thing. In fact, I don't believe a relationship has reached the depth that God wants it to until we walk through conflict and come out the other side and say, you know what? I still choose you. I still choose doing life with you. You know what? We're going to work through this. I'm going to build some character in this because I'm 50% of the problem in this situation. I'm involved in it. Come on. Unity isn't just about getting along. It's about the flow of God. Oil flowing from the head right down to the edge of the garments. That is what unity creates. So let's have a look at a story 
from the New Testament in Luke 8, 43 to 48. Luke 8, 43 to 48. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her life living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, Jesus, and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter, I can just imagine, one, one minute. Peter, Peter, stop blaming me, man. John, you're the one that always likes to hug on him. Anyway, sorry, I digress. I love just to see it, you know. <laughs> I think there's a lot of comedy in the relationship between disciples and Jesus. You've got to blow the dust off your Bible and enjoy it, man. Like, like get in there, you know, like, you know. When all denied it, Peter said, I love Peter, who will always speak first. Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. Like, tell him everybody's touching him, not just, come on, there's a whole, he's walking through a crowd, come on. Uh, Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him, declaring in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Unity is about the flow of God. Where there is unity, the oil flows to the edge. Not everyone can come in contact with the head. We want to be a church where the oil flows to the edges. Come on, people might not walk in here on a Sunday, but they might be in your life. We want a place that's an oily church that when they come in contact with you, something happens. Something happens. And honestly, that place of criticism, unforgiveness and bitterness shuts it down. Come on, the woman with the issue of blood was glad that there was anointing to the entire body of Christ. The entire body of Christ. Not everyone can touch the head. I just said that. And I just said the other bits. We'll move on. <laughs> Should follow my notes. Come on. The church grows when unity abounds and the oil flows to the head. We want to be a church for the woman with the issue of blood. We want to be a church for the person that as society is saying, uh-uh, nah-uh. We want to be that church for the outcast and the downtrodden. We want to be the church for the brokenhearted. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for the lost. And not just a fancy Facebook page and a great Sunday service is going to bring the lost. The, the mission of this church is that we bring people far from God, close to Him. The bringing is intentional language because we, we understand that we're going to move the focus from the platform to the people. It's so incredibly important that we understand that we are the body of Christ, that we are the full body of Christ, that oil flows over every one of us and we are anointed to make a difference in the world that we engage in. So three points where we can build unity. C3 Church Wellington. Let's build unity around the future and not the past. Come on, let's direct our energy towards the future. You know what's so cool about the future? There is no offence. <laughs> or, 
or unforgiveness or it hasn't happened yet. It's all back there. Let's smash the rearview mirror and go, no, today's a new day. I'm going to put my focus on the days coming. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to unite around the future of our church, not the past. doesn't matter if it's good, bad or otherwise back there. We're going forward. Let's build unity around principles and not preferences. What does that mean? Like every person sitting in these seats have a preference. Has, you all, we all have a preference around what we should do, shouldn't do, this, that, the next thing. Should we have lights, not lights, music, blah, blah, blah. I mean, come on, a, we're, we're wired for preference. But you know the principles that build unity? Hospitality, generosity. Maybe we should just drop some preferences and go, you know, I'm going to be a hospitable person. I'm going to invite people into my world. I'm going to get to know them. I'm going to become generous. I'm going to be a provider, not a divider, a provider. The principles of unity. Why? Because God flows in unity and you have a part to play. And let's build unity around relationships, not roles. Come on. Relationships create relationships. Sorry, relationships create family. Roles create insecurity. I've seen it. You know, date the role and marry the church. That's what I'm saying. I date the role. I mean, how many, how many, if you've been around church family long enough, you've probably done a whole host of different things. Abby used to run a youth group, was a primal pastor, now running young, young adults, drumming, you know, all sorts of like, and before that, probably other things. Just like you just end up, you know, but God will create a place of influence for you. But let's build relationships and create a family in this place. Have a listen to what unity can do. One of the most powerful stories around it. We're about to, we're about to close here. Genesis 11, 1 to 6. It says this. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come let us. Come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Now, the spirit that drove this unity was not the spirit of God. But it's a powerful example of what unity can do in a group of people that say, come on, let us. We've got to be a church that drops the me and the I and replaces it with the us and the we. Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. When you understand your identity in Him, you can lay down your rights and go, you know what, I'm accepted, I'm loved, I'm His. Come on, let's go and let's build. Following Jesus is an others-focused life. But when we get it, when we get this us, 
This coming together, behold, they are one people. They have one language. They have one vision. This, these people aren't pulling in every direction. They've gone, you know what? That's the, that's the heading. That's the direction. That's the, we're going there together. And I'm going, how do I help get there? What's my part to play to get there? And, and God says, this is only the beginning of what they will do and nothing that they propose to do will be impossible for them. Do you believe it this morning, C3 Church? Come on, a prayer for revival is a prayer for unity. In Him, you also have been built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that we can be a dwelling place where the presence of God becomes obvious. You walk in here and you, you might not even be able to understand it or put it into words. And I love that. And I love that people, you've got to check your language because, come on, we're not, we don't want to be just this inclusive little clip that we have our language, but we want to be, uh, uh, ex- sorry, exclusive, but we want to be an inclusive church that understands that we're communicating something. We've got to figure out how we say it so that people can receive it. But there's something beyond that they just feel and sense and it's the presence of God being made obvious. And great worship doesn't necessarily do that and great preaching doesn't necessarily do that. But what does it is unity. What does it is unity. Can we be a united church? Come on, let's fight for it together. Why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. Just in the last couple of moments, why don't we just take a moment now You know, I feel like it's a, it's a moment of repentance for us. There's not a person in this room that's not affected, not challenged around this, 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 this idea of unity within the church. Look, I tell you, when you get close to people, it becomes more and more challenging. You know, and the enemy likes to solicit our minds. Yeah, you're right to think that. You're right to feel that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it likes to feed it but you've got to understand when it becomes about you and I and those those language where we're the center of attention where it's all about the way I feel and I think and I we're off base we're off base and God wants to heal that and God wants to remove the weight of that because that is a weight and it means you come into this place and you you can't you, you you might not be moved you might not be moved by the presence of God and you you wonder why you don't feel and you think maybe if that they played that song or did that or you know Maybe if they just, they're not, no. God's saying, you know what? In me, you'll have unity, in me. And when you come to this place, you'll find me and I'm gonna, what you're gonna worship and I'm gonna, who you're gonna, come on, it's in that place. And so there are things in our lives that God is saying, let's lay them down. Let's go to God. Let's ask for the forgiveness. Let's, let's, let's allow the blood of Jesus and it's all sufficiency to wash us clean this morning. So if that's you, just, just post yourself right now and just say, come on, just even to yourself, just say, God, I ask for your forgiveness. You know, God, I ask for your forgiveness. God, when I've assumed things about other people, I haven't walked a mile in their shoes. I don't know their journey. Who am I to judge? Father God, you didn't, you didn't come to judge us. You came with mercy and grace and love. And Father God, I pray that each one of us would receive that. And I love the Lord's prayer. It's, it's, it's not me praying it. It's us praying it. <laughs> Let us <laughs> The Lord's Prayer is all about unity. It's about a prayer that we pray together. 
Forgive us as we forgive those that trespass against us. Father, right now I pray for your healing presence to flow. I pray for woundedness from church wounds, church hurts, because they're real. I'm not trying to uh, minimise them or, or, or to say that they don't matter or that they don't hurt. They hurt. Church wounds hurt. But Father God, I pray for healing to flow and for your, for your people to be healed and that that scar would not hurt anymore and that they would be able to get themselves back into a place of, of being a provider and charging after the very heart of God and bringing heaven to earth. Father God, that we would allow ourselves to come into relationship with one another, that we won't stand off uh, at arm's length, but that we would give ourselves over to relationship, that we would give ourselves over to hospitality, that we would give ourselves over to generosity, that we would be the most hospitable and generous group of people in lower heart in Wellington in Jesus name that people would come into this place and experience the obvious presence of God I pray in Jesus name and if you agree with me why don't you say amen amen, amen.